Now joining me on the show, Super Bowl champion quarterback, two-time Pro Bowler, Brad Johnson. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? Doing great, Luke. Appreciate you having me on the show, brother. Thank you, man. Glad to have you on. My first question for you, how would you describe your journey and how you got to become an NFL starter? Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting question. It's a great question. Kind of the cliff notes of it. I grew up in Black Mountain, North Carolina, a small town, love basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. Um, I had to make a decision in 1987 when I wanted to play football or basketball in college. I was a six foot five guy that could shoot a basketball, but couldn't defend too many people. And, uh, I was a six foot five quarterback. There's the next kind of guy like a Benny Testaverde at that time. And, and so, you know, I chose football and it's been, I've actually played two years of basketball at Florida state, but many, many battles of just, um, how to become a great quarterback, how to, uh, how to read defenses, how to uh, get your team to play for you, how to deal with wins, losses, touchdowns, interceptions. And I think, you know, obviously I've had success as far as, leading three different teams to playoffs and winning Super Bowl. But I think what I missed the most and what I enjoyed the most was really the grind of just preparing every year of getting myself physically ready and then learning a playbook and then and just leading the team over the course of the season. So the grind is what um, <laughs> is what separates most. When you look at your career in Tampa Bay and your time there, I've heard you talk about how your first impression of Coach Gruden was one that you were a little iffy on him, and then you end up winning a Super Bowl with him. So I'm curious as to how that went for you, what your first impression of Coach Gruden was, and how you got to grow with him as a coach and win the championship together. The first time I ever saw Coach Gruden was really, uh, I knew he was an offense coordinator in Philadelphia. He had Randall Cunningham as his quarterback there, and then he later went on to be the Oakland Raiders head coach. And when I was in Washington, for the Redskins at that time. I seen him on Monday Night Football, heard he had these wordy verbiage plays and, and those kind of things. And, and I knew he's highly intense. And um, so I was actually in Tampa and Tony Dungy was our head coach and they made a move and and Tony later went on to be a Hall of Fame coach and won a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts. But Gruden was coming to town to be the head coach for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so the first guy I called was Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon was a quarterback with me in Minnesota my, my rookie year, 1992. And when I talked to Gruden, I mean, when I talked to Rich about him, he, he hated it because he was, he was losing Gruden as his play caller and his coach. And he's like, Brad, you're going to love playing for him. He'll program you. He'll have, have you game ready on game days. And it's a lot of work, a lot of things to learn. But once you learn the system, the concepts, it will all flow. And so I, I didn't know what to expect when I met Gruden. Uh, obviously, the plays were long. It was U shifts green left to SF, Schwartz power to U, banana Z overheads up for 359 smoke, check to H2 Miami. You know, it was green right slot, 93W, heads up for a bus call, check 96 Seattle, heads up for 58 Lexus. So it's just a lot of information, a lot of code words. And so eventually I got it. I love playing for Gruden and made me a better quarterback and really helped me to understand, you know, better concepts of football, especially on the defensive side. Of those play calls, did you have a favorite one to say or one that you felt rolled off the tongue? You know, <laughs> it was, it was, I think it was really, it was really hard. Like, so really what happens is you play a game on Sunday. Monday you come in and you watch the film and you work out. And then Tuesday's your day off. You kind of game plan a little bit. Then Wednesday's really your, your first day 
coming back. So each week it was like a lot of verbiage, a lot of words to learn, a lot of new plays and concepts were the same. We might have 10 different ways to run a curl flat or 10 different ways to run a seams with comebacks or, or deep overs with drags and those kind of things. But being able to call a play in the huddle was tough on Wednesday and Thursday. But then as the week got along, Friday and Saturday, it would roll off my tongue. I would usually go in early in the mornings and just kind of get the play sheets. and Because it wasn't just like we're running the same old play every week. It was, it was a different personnel grouping, a different motion, a different shift, and, and those kind of things. I see. And with that Super Bowl team, 2002 season, 2003 Super Bowl, what do you think made that team special? A lot of great coaches, a lot of great players. I mean, it, it takes that. Um, I think as the season went on, I think Gruden brought in 15 to 19 free agents. As the season went on, we brought in Joe Jarevicious on offense, uh, Keenan McCardell, Ricky Dudley, Ken Dilger, Robin Olbin, Kerry Jenkins, Michael Pittman. I mean, so it, it took an upgrade in players. And then it was just hard work. I mean, it was, it was offense versus defense, a battle every day in practice and training camp, mini camps. And, and then we were, you know, highly competitive. We were three and one every four games, ended up season 12 and four. But, you know, as the season goes on, you got to be, you got to be healthy. You got to get hot at the right time. And uh, you got to have a little luck along the way too, you know, but it's uh, a lot of great players. We had three guys make the Hall of Fame off that team, uh, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, John Lynch now, and hopefully get a couple more and Rondé Barber and, Simeon Rice, but a lot of great players just besides those guys. A lot of guys are footballers and legends in their own right. Looking back at some of the highlights of your career, you've had a lot of great moments, but one of them that's in the record books, of course, alongside now Marcus Mariota, who did it a couple of years ago, the touchdown pass to yourself. When you look back now, how do you remember that play and what went through your head then? Yeah, I was the first quarterback to throw touchdown pass and touchdown catch to himself so uh basically we were 1997 we were playing the carolina panthers when i was in minnesota ball was on the three-yard line the play was uh dot left spear rip dallas basically it was a, a, a little five-yard stick route by the tight end and a flat route by the fullback and and um i dropped back ball got batted up to me and i knew you can't make a double pass two forward passes and uh but i knew it was also fourth down I mean, that was on third down, so if I, if I got – usually if a ball gets – if you catch your own ball, you're going to lose yards. Um, so a lot of times you just want to bat the ball down. But I knew if I did catch it, at worst I'd have to still be a field goal range. So I caught it and just started scrambling, made a play, dove into the end zone, didn't know what it was at the time. And then later on, I think at the end of the game, someone said, hey, man, that was a touchdown pass. And someone said, yeah, it was a touchdown catch too. And then – Ended up being the first time it's ever happened. It's 12 points in fantasy football. Won an ESPY award. And so it's kind of neat to say you're the first one that have ever done it. And then, obviously, Marcus Mariota did it a few years back uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs in the uh, playoffs against the uh, Tennessee Titans. Got you. And you mentioned the 12 points in fantasy football. Do you play or are you a fan of fantasy at all? No, I don't play. You know, it's it interesting. As a player, that was right when it came out. I said, this is silly. Why do people do fantasy football? Like, we play real football. This <laughs> I didn't understand it. And then, you know, when my career's over and I kind of see, you know, it's kinda, it kind of makes you just kind of enjoy the game. You get to learn the players. And my kids play fantasy football and those kind of things. And there's all kinds of leagues and stuff. I don't play it, but I do like to keep up with the, uh, the players and, and the teams. Another thing that sticks out to me when I look at 
some of the different things that happened over your career that's even more interesting now is you faced off against several great quarterbacks, Matt Hasselbeck, Tom Brady, just to name a couple, in the quarterback challenge in 2003. And you had the accuracy and all the different aspects to it. You beat Tom Brady there, and Tom Brady's just won a Super Bowl in the same city that you did. So you saw Brady at the beginning of his career. You beat him in the accuracy competition. How do you remember, first off, that event? Yeah, the quarterback challenge, it was awesome back in the day. They they, they no longer do it now, but it was a long ball contest, a, an accuracy test with throwing balls at golf carts. And then there was a final event where you got to throw an out, a curl, a comeback, and then a, and then a, a touchdown fade. So it was kind of neat. You get to be around the quarterbacks for a couple of days and do all these contests and stuff. But uh, Brady, he'd actually won the Super Bowl the year before we did, before that challenge in 2002 for him. And then um, – I just remember him being highly competitive, smart dude, a guy that's fun to be around, and and uh, but just how competitive he was. So, I mean, obviously, he's won seven rings as the Super Bowl champion. He's lost three. He's went to four other AFC Championship games. His longevity, what he's done as far as wins and consistency and playing all kinds of weather is incredible to watch. So, I, I it's amazing to to watch his career. Never in your, my lifetime I ever thought he, that would even come close to something like that. But uh, and then now he's done it, you know, in Tampa. We won it 2003, and then 18 years later in 21 he wins it in Tampa. So, it's, and and in the meantime the Bucks have, you know, have won a playoff game in that in that stretch of 18 years. So uh, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be him. Now for you, what does your life after football look like? Yeah, I, we, uh, my wife Nikki and I, we live in Athens, Georgia. Uh, we have two boys, Max and Jake. Uh, Max is a quarterback at LSU. Jake is a uh, he's going to be a rising senior. He's committed to LSU. He'll go next year in January. And then I'm helping coach at Oconee County High School in Athens, Georgia. And done that for a long time now. And uh, went to last years went to the state championship. We lost both years, but so I do that. And then I help coach a lot of kids on the side and just a lot of quarterbacks that reach out. I just kind of volunteer to help out anybody that wants to be uh that wants to go through that quarterback process so uh and then i play a lot of golf hang out with friends and then i make these tiktok videos and stuff like that just to kind of stay busy but somehow i stay active i uh, got a golf tournament i do up in Asheville, north carolina called the evelyn foundation i've done for a long time also all right you mentioned your tiktok it's been blowing up lately lots of views and likes on your channel so first off how did you get onto tiktok yeah, my kids were on TikTok about a year ago, and I had no clue what it was. It just kind of like, no clue. And then I kind of started watching. And then, so the beginning of when I started doing TikToks, I made a lot of videos of my playing career and uh, the good, the bad, and funny things. We, you know, walking my dogs in my golf cart, all kinds of stuff. But then I started making, you know, workout videos. And then about six months ago, I started making all, I played, you know, obviously I played football and basketball. And so I started making a lot of trick shots. But you know, just kind of different than just a trick shot and then splicing things together. I never do that. I kind of just <laughs> see if I can make three, four, five multiple shots in a row and then or throwing footballs at basketball goals and just having fun with it. And so it's kind of caught on a little wave with it with Big Bad Brad 14 and it kind of just goes. And we're going we're gonna to start selling some merchandise soon to give it all to charity here uh, pretty soon. Where'd you get the concept for your trick shots where you're doinking off the crossbar from 30 or 40 yards away on a throw how'd you come up with that 
Yeah, you know, it's neat. My, my whole career, you know, whether it's basketball, I would never do half-court shots. I was only doing skills and drills, and I was out for the kill. You know, in football, I was never throwing balls at trash cans or goalposts and stuff like that. But now at 52 years old, I can kind of do whatever I want to. I'm not trying to win a game. And really just kind of made, had fun with these shots. It may be, you know, shooting the ball, you know, behind my back or over my back and letting it bounce in or over the backboard and then throwing a football at the, at the basketball goal. Some different kind of shots that most people don't do. And just kind of, you know, let's see. That people kind of just enjoy um, and kind of have, kind of enjoy the humor behind it all. Awesome! And a few rapid fire questions to finish out here. What do you consider to be your greatest achievement? Wow! Wow! Um, you know, I think I mean obviously playing sports. It was to you know to get a scholarship to go to Florida State to be drafted and to win a to win a Super Bowl. Uh, but I think really just raising a family, um, that's, that's one of the hardest things to do. And, uh, but it's one of the most pleasurable things to do. And so been fortunate enough to, you know, see our kids, um, you know, get all the way through high school and now head off to college. Second one, what would you say is left on your bucket list of things that you want to get done, but you haven't done it yet? Wow. Great question. Great question. You know, I, it sounds crazy. I've written a book. I've jumped out of a jumped uh, I've done a parachute I've flown an F-16 <laughs> <laughs> you know I've done those things um you know what I, I don't I don't think there's anything I want to do as far as like climb Mount Everest or anything like that I think I my biggest pleasure in life is really just impacting others it may be coaching a kid one-on-one and quarterback it may be just you know reaching out and writing a, a, a letter to someone encouraging someone those kind of things. It just try, I really just try to make great friendships and try to impact people when I come in contact with people. For sure. Now, third one for you. What is something that you like that most people don't? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I don't like. Okay. Reverse that one. Sure. So I don't like ketchup. Ketchup is not something that I like. And as interesting my wife, Nikki, she does not like ketchup either. So... <laughs> So every time I get a cheeseburger, I just get, it's a plain cheeseburger, you know? So, but uh, most people like ketchup and we don't. (laughs) Nice. All right. And then the final one for you, what book belongs on everyone's bookshelf? You know, a book that I kind of like has all been meaningful to me was uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And it talks, it's, it's a, it's a book that just talks about, uh, Daring to be great and, and trying to reach your limits as far as um, what your potential is. And it's a song. It's a, it's a book about a bird. And most of us read it at some point in school. But I think it's just an impactful book that, uh, it, that can be, you, can make, you can challenge yourself to be great. Awesome. Well, Brad, that's all the questions I had for you. Thank you for your time. Very good. Appreciate it, Luke. Thanks, buddy.